This is Solid Talk. Speaking out loud in depth. Check it out. Speaking out loud in depth. Cancel culture can't keep me in check. In from beginning, gotta tell us what's next. True believers, they can come and connect. Call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect. God bless you, family. Praise the Lord. My name is Brother Greg. This is Solid Talk speaking out loud in depth. And family, we're going to keep it light this evening. Y'all know I come on here with some hardcore stuff sometime. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit just kind of placed in me this week was to talk about, to make a video about five teachings, five teachings, five sermons, whatever, however they came packaged that changed my life. Now, some of you who might listen to this podcast, often some of these stories you might have heard already. So forgive me if you heard them already. I come on here every week now. I'm starting to be like your old grandfather that tell you the same story every time he see you. (laughs) Like, boy, I remember you was back in 1948. You know, try not to be that old grandfather type person. But uh, just bear with me because some of them you might have heard some of the details you might not have heard as much. And while I do this, I want you guys to think about, let me put this banner right at the bottom. I want you guys to actually think about what are some teachers or sermons that changed your life? So what I'm going to look to do later on is open up the live stream for anyone who wants to come on that you can come on and just hop on here with me. You don't necessarily have to be showing your picture. I, you know, it's cool if you do, but if not, that's fine. As long as we can hear you, but we're talking about sermons, teachings, anything on this walk that has changed your life. Because anyone who's been doing this for a little while knows that, uh, there's certain moments that tend to grow you. There's certain things that will happen where, you know, growth is, is, is gradual. We don't always notice growth But sometimes even in your natural life, there might come a time where you remember that this certain situation propelled me. This certain moment, I had a revelation. This certain season of my life was a season of refinement. It was a season of growth. And just like we have those in our physical walks, we have those in our spiritual walks as well. So with no further ado, I'm going to get into these five teachings that really transform my life, transform my walk. And prayerfully, you guys can be blessed by these. So the first one, and by the way, it is in no particular order, and they are a bit of a story time. The first time is, the first one is the I Am Army. This was a sermon by Pastor Gary Price entitled The I Am Army. Now, let me throw a disclaimer out there right now. He's not talking about no crazy I Am movement, like we're all gods or anything like that. It's not that type of I am that he was preaching. But what he was talking about was this idea. He used this example. He used his wife, whose name is Barbara. He said, if I walked into a room and I said, Barbara is, everybody in the room would be on a cliffhanger because everybody's trying to figure out Barbara is what? You know, what what is Barbara? Barbara is what? You just said Barbara is. What does that mean? So we're on a cliffhanger because there's something about the human mind that loves definition. We love the idea of being able to keep things defined, keep things concrete, right? And saying Barbara is, 
what that actually does is it makes things abstract it leaves things to be open so the purpose and what he was teaching with this whole i am army thing is if the devil can define you he can confine you to bind you i'm gonna say that again if the devil can define you he can confine you to bind you what does that mean what it means is if we get too caught up in defining ourselves one way it closes the door on the opportunity to act in any other way other than that boxed in definition. So, for example, if we want to keep it on a spiritual level, let's say that you are you identify as a healer. You identify as a healer and you're so focused on being a healer and you're so caught up in being a healer that you close yourself off for God to move in you, to move through you like he might want to do. He might want to use you to prophesy. He might want to use you in a situation, you know, to um, uh, give a word of knowledge to somebody. And if you are not open to that, if you're not abstract enough to really avail yourself in that way, then you can potentially miss what God wants to do through you. And the way that this played out in my life was, for a long time, I had really sat on some gifts that I didn't even know were there. You know, by the grace of God, we played an intro song. So the Lord has got me making music now. And I've told this story before how I was seeking the Lord about my purpose, my calling, how he wants me to do things, what he wants me to do. And I was just going home one day, as I normally do on my typical way home. And this guy, when I was on this three-day fast, I was on day three of it after I've been asking the Lord for my purpose. And this guy just randomly pointed me out and like it was like, hey, are you a Christian? So I said, yeah. And he began to prophesy to me. He told me a couple things. I don't have to say all of them right now. But one of them he told me was he was like, I'm sensing a strong musical anointing. And at the time, it was pretty much out of left field. <laughs> but it wasn't totally out of left field because I had a couple of dreams that I was playing instruments. Like one of them, I was playing a guitar. The other one, I was playing a piano. And this guy told me that I had a strong musical anointing. So the reason why I say it was out of left field is because aside from those dreams that I had recently had, I never thought I had anything to do with music. You know what I mean? It's certainly not rapping or Christian rap, because at the time I didn't even know how God felt about Christian rap. So what I did after that encounter with that guy, I thought about it a little bit and I went out and I bought that keyboard right there that I don't even know how to play. <laughs> I bought that keyboard right there that I don't even know how to play. And I tried to to play it and play it and play it, but it, it just wasn't really working for me. And then I kind of put it down. But the Lord began to give me songs he began to give me writings and stuff like this and at first i didn't really want it to be a song so i was like this must be a spoken word because it's not a rap but it's like the more he kept giving it to me the more i realized it was a rap now up until that point i had basically sort of only seen myself as kind of an intellectual but i didn't even think of myself in a regard of an artist i basically just kind of defined myself as one thing but as the Lord began to open up and reveal these gifts to me, I realized that there's just a whole area of art that the Lord wanted me to move in that I hadn't even um, been been moving in because I had allowed myself to be defined. 
So this is what he was saying. If the devil can define you, he can confine you to bind you. But if we leave ourselves as what? A vessel that's fit for the master's use, then what that does is it allows God to use you however you want. Right. You walking around, ain't no telling what God might ask you to do. You might have never healed a person in your life, but the Holy Ghost say go over to them and lay hands on them. Now what happens? You heal that person. So that actually changed my life because it opened up my perspective in such a way that I was able to receive more of God more of the calling that he had on my life. And I believe by the grace of God, if you guys kind of embrace that, then he'll probably do the same for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then in retrospect, I look back on it and I thought about all of the art that I used to do when I was younger. I used to draw when I was a child and I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I was pretty good. <laughs> I was pretty good. And, and that was art. But I hadn't drawn anything since like ninth grade. You know, I used to draw little cartoons and stuff out the Game Pro magazine and all of that good stuff. And then I used to do poetry. Now, I remember being in a poetry club in high school. But a, a couple of months ago, I found a box of old poems that I wrote in high school. And they were like way more than I actually remembered even writing. And I was reading some of them. I don't know what I was going through. It must have been some relationship stuff because <laughs> I was talking about all this stuff. It sounded so deep. And as I'm reading, I'm like, I don't even know who I was probably talking about. <laughs> what was I going through in high school that I just thought was just such a big deal? And now I can't even remember who I was writing about. But nonetheless, it showed me that I had sat on things for so much gifts that were in me, but because I had sort of just boxed myself in, those gifts didn't get realized until much later. So if we just avail ourselves to the Lord, then he can use us in a mighty way. So that was number one, the I am army, right? Um, where you don't say, you don't have to complete that sentence. I know we want to complete that sentence, but you don't have to leave it open for God to complete it for you. All right. Teaching number two. And I'm going to go a little bit fast because I want one of you guys, one or two of you guys to actually hop on here. So you got a little bit of time to think about it. I'm going to put the link in here after I get finished because <laughs> I don't want y'all to hop on while I'm on. But number two is a sermon that I heard. There was a sermon that I heard. And I've told this story before about how God supernaturally. You know what? Let me not give it away. I'm going to let the story unfold. So when I got saved, I was dating this young lady from before I was was saved. And while we were together, I got saved. Now, before I was saved, I was a stone cold sinner. So sad to say my righteousness was filthy rags. And at some point in that relationship, I began to be unfaithful to that young lady. So after I got saved, I was just kind of walking this walk with the Lord. I was literally changed overnight. I wasn't flawless, but I was literally just a new creature. I was living right. I wasn't cheating on her or anything like that. After I got saved, I was just, I was just on that straight and narrow. I was hungering and thirsting for the Lord. And that was literally all I cared about. But what happened was as, as we begin to continue, right. Um, and I'm just growing in the Lord and I'm still kind of with this, this girl and, you know, we had stopped fornicating and everything because I'm saved now. And I, I found out that you wasn't supposed to do that. <laughs> right. So 
So, so things are seemingly going okay. Now, all the while, I had experienced back issues in my life a lot. And I threw my back out a couple times. I threw my back out uh, one time I was playing basketball. I threw my back out another time I was playing paintball. So I had had these moments where I had thrown my back out here and there. And after I got saved during this particular season, I'm still with this girl, but my back was really agonizing me. It was it was really agonizing me to the point where I would literally come home. And the first thing I would do after a day of work is I would lift my feet up and I would elevate my legs and lay flat on my back because I was just, you know, in in that much discomfort. It wasn't like a, a throbbing pain 24 seven, but it was like this constant discomfort, this occasional pain that I would just feel. And during this time, I I was just made just born again. I was fine tuned to the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm a newborn babe, so he's nurturing me closely. And I kept hearing this expression, the truth shall make you free. The truth shall set you free. It was we know that's the scripture. So I kept hearing that scripture over and over again. And I forget when it was. But at some point, I realized that what the Holy Ghost was telling me was that he wanted me to tell this girl I was dating that I had been unfaithful in the relationship. Now, I didn't want to do this because I knew at the time, I knew it would absolutely destroy her. I knew it would just crush her. And so obviously I I didn't want to do it, but God was calling me to do it. So I'm like, man, I'm like, you know, I'm living right now. I'm living for the Lord now. Do I really have to kind of revisit this? That's old stuff. You know, I thought I was a new creature, but he was calling me to do that. And I realized it. So at the time I was going to the, my first, very first church home, the one I went to as a kid, the Lord just told me, go back to church when I got saved. So I went to that same church, a Baptist church in Northeast DC. And when I walked in, I already knew that day that after I got out of that service, I was going to have to do what the Holy Ghost told me to do. So I'm already broken up like during the praise and worship. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm crying, I'm sobbing tears. I'm I'm uh the usher came over and handed me a tissue and everything. You know what I mean? I'm just I'm just going through it. So I go through the praise and worship. Now it's time for preaching time. This particular time, we had a guest preacher. He wasn't a guest. Okay, he, he was he was he was uh he was on the ministerial staff. So he wasn't a guest per se, but he was a guest preacher in the sense of the the normal preacher wasn't preaching. He was letting one of his associate ministers give the word today. And during this particular season of my life, I had noticed that every time there was a guest preacher or like some or just a different preacher from the pastor, I knew that the Lord was giving me sort of like a really special message. So the guy that preached, his name was Minister Jackson. He preached a sermon about the woman who had been hunched over. I believe it was maybe for 18 years. This woman had been hunched over. Uh, uh, I was going to find a scripture. I don't know if I want to go through all of that. You know, this woman was uh, just really hunched over and he was preaching about her. And he was talking about all these different reasons about how we got to let this stuff go and how it's certain things that are causing us to be in this condition. I think I found the scripture here is Luke chapter 13, verse 11. It says, 
One Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues and a woman there had been disabled by a spirit for 18 years. She was hunched over and could not stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, woman, you are set free from your disability. So when I heard that, I knew that God was telling me that in order for me to be set free, because this is what the pastor said, he was like, you know, a lie you've been holding on to or something you've been holding on to. And I just knew he was talking to me. Have you ever been at a sermon where you just flat out knew that the preacher was preaching right at you? <laughs> and you sit there, you sit there on the spot. He just driving clean down your street, 100 miles an hour driving down your street. <laughs> so um, I knew it. I knew it. And so I went home. I had that conversation with her in person. It was ugly. It was really ugly. I broke her heart. I felt like a complete jerk, a complete murderer. And even though I had been saved and I knew I was a sinner and all of that, it wasn't until I made that confession that I really felt the weight of my sin. I really felt, I mean, I'm talking almost like a tangible weight, just a gravity of just heaviness and and, and and wait. And I was just in my room for like four days straight. And I couldn't even look myself in the mirror. I was just bawling in tears, A, because I hurt her, but also because I just felt like such a filthy piece of trash. <laughs> I don't know how else to even explain it. I just felt like the worst person in the world. I literally felt like a murderer. I could not look myself in the mirror. And, you know, I was sobbing for like four days straight. And I mean, at the time I had a guy who was living in my basement, he was renting from me and he checked on me like day three, <laughs> you know, like day one or two dudes, we don't care. But after about day three or four, he was like, let me check on this brother. <laughs> he was like, excuse me. He was like, man, you all right? I said, yeah, man, I'm good. I just told him what kind of happened. But, um, you know, the Lord played this song by Donnie McClurkin. It said, a saint is just a sinner who fell down and got back up again. Now, I don't know if that song is, is biblical, <laughs> but I tell you that in that particular moment, that song was a song that resurrected me. It was a song that in that particular moment just really showed me that, yes, you are a murderer. Yes, I know you can't even look yourself in the mirror because of the horrible things that you have done. But guess what? You can get back up again. You can get back up again. And so love lifted me. Love lifted me. And that particular sermon was a life-changing sermon. I can't even honestly tell you all the details of what he actually preached about, but I just know he preached from that scripture. He talked about that woman being hunched over for 18 years. And what it revealed to me was that the reason why my back, oh, I forgot the, the, the punchline. <laughs> so yeah, after like that four days, my back was, I just noticed that my back wasn't hurting anymore. It was just, it, it just was gone. I mean, I'm talking every day I would come home and lift my legs up after work. I would do all types of stretches and everything. And I had even bought an inversion table for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's when you uh, basically lay upside down like you Batman. So I bought this inversion table 
and I was using that for my back. And after about day four, I just know I was like, you know what? My back doesn't hurt. And what it was was holding on to that lie had given permission for that spirit of infirmity to come and constrain me. It had come, it had came in and it was, it was contracting me because it had legal authority because I wasn't living in truth. I wasn't living in the truth of God, but the Holy Spirit said, the truth shall set you free. And as soon as I confessed that truth, even though it was super difficult, I knew from that moment forward that the Lord has set me free. And so a lot of this family in the spiritual realm is legal. Yes, we are saved. Yes, we are born again. But there is a such thing as legal rights. And in order for us to access the freedom that we have in Christ, we have to live by the dictates of Christ. Okay, we have to function in truth in order to receive the truth. I think I heard somebody say you can't, um, you know, you can't expect the truth if you live in a lie. And that's one of the things that I learned from that sermon. So it, it, that was when God healed my back supernaturally, you know, and, and the funny thing is, I'm going to close number two out with this, is that I, I was like sure that I was healed, but I wasn't 100 percent sure. So I got back on the inversion table and I had actually let Sister Nicole, no, I didn't let her use it, but like she wanted to try it out. And the last time it was used, it was it was set to her height. Well, I think she's probably about five, eight and I'm taller than her. So when I got on the inversion table, I forgot to adjust the height. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when I got on it, I flipped upside down, but then I got stuck and I had to like weasel myself out of it. And I kind of knew from that moment, I said, okay, Lord, you're telling me that you don't want me using this table anymore. If you have said that I am healed, guess what? I'm healed. And so that was number two, the uh, freedom of knowing that, you know, God can set you free. The woman that was hunched over for 18 years. Number three of a teaching or sermon that changed my life is once again, back to my man, Pastor Price. I heard him say this before. He said, lust is not natural for a man. He said, it's not natural for a man to have lust. Now, when I heard it, this was when I kind of first started listening to him. And needless to say, it caught me off guard because everything that has been taught from everything in the world is, and even sometimes in the church, is just this idea that men are lustful creatures. You know, men are just these sex hungry, uh, visual creatures, right? And men are dictated by their lust and all of these different type of things. And so when I heard him say that, I was just kind of like, what do, what do you mean? <laughs> it was like a math equation that didn't add up. And as I began to listen to him preach about it, he preached about it in such a way. It wasn't to say that men don't have sexual attraction. Of course, men are sexually attracted to women, but there's a difference between being attracted to women and being a lustful man. And a lustful man is somebody that is bound by women. You are bound by the feminine form. You are bound by the anatomy of a woman. I'm going to say it in the nicest way that I can. Basically, he presented it like when you're that type of guy, you don't have any type of freedom. 
It's like you're a slave and you make decisions. You live your life based upon female approval, female validation. You you base your life based upon uh, just this, this lustful attraction, like you're just some dog who doesn't have any control over himself. And the way he preached it so hard and it made it seem so pathetic. And he was talking about guys that masturbate and how you just kind of play with yourself and then lean over like that. It just made it seem so pathetic, <laughs> like absolutely pathetic. And I was just look, listening to it like, like, man, you know, he's right. <laughs> he's right. You know, I don't have to be just bound by this. And that's how it is, especially when you're out in the world. I remember out in the world, that was pretty much all, all I really even lived for. You know, you just go to work five days a week. Maybe you got a little girlfriend or something, or maybe you single at the moment. And, you know, I wake up Saturday morning and I got a three, six mafia song playing in my head. And I'm trying to figure out some stuff that I can't even say now because I'm saved. But I'm, I'm just trying to fit, get, get up with some women. Right. <laughs> I'm trying to find out where they at. And I realized that that is a pathetic way to live right um am i completely divested of lust no i can't really you know because the flesh in and of itself is lustful but what i can say is that by the grace of god i am a i have been able to contain probably for about a good like i mean i'm talking about if for what i can see this is the other thing <laughs> the more you grow in your faith you have different definitions of what's appropriate and what's not appropriate so certain things, when you first get saved and, and you still wrestling against the flesh, you trying to push the envelope. So you're doing things that really you shouldn't be doing, but you like technically it ain't no type of genitalia being exposed. So we can be all touchy feely and stuff like that. But as for what I now know is appropriate by the grace of God, I think what's this is 2021. I've been able to contain for about six years now, and that's purely by the grace of God, right? But it's also and it's also by that epiphany that I had, which was to say that I don't have to be bound by lust, A, and B, that it's not natural for a man to be lustful. If you're completely driven by everything involving a woman, right, that means that you're not free to be who you are. It means that you're not free to be a man because all of your decisions are being bound by your desire to have sex. Now, what type of way is that for a man or anybody to live? So that teaching was life changing. I can't really say that it was a specific sermon that I can point to because anyone who's listened to this dude, he he preaches like three or four hours every Sunday. So I couldn't tell you when he said it i know he said it way he said it a lot so you can easily find it but that was one that for me was life-changing um what i'm gonna do i'm gonna it's about 8 30 i'm gonna get to some comments then we're gonna do the next two and then i'm gonna open up the the chat for folks i don't want to get too far ahead without acknowledging some of the comments so glory to God. And I once again, I just greet everybody that's coming on. God bless you, Brother Hans. I see Sister Patricia. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I spoke to Sister Tarima, Moni E, Santia. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 
I'm about to cut this off when I do my when I edit my podcast. You know, this little section where I greet people. <laughs> Folks hate that. For those joining a little bit late, I mentioned on tonight I would have a, a little surprise for you that was more of a uh, 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 more for me than it was for you. And what that was was the Lord gave me a theme song for Solid Talk. One of the things that I've been wanting to do is to get this podcast to, to get this live stream to be converted also into a podcast. So hopefully in the next couple of days, I'll have that up and running and I'll be able to um, tell you guys where you can download it. Some of you have specifically asked for that. So I'm trying to get that to you. But one of the things that was holding me back is I wanted an intro. And I just said, you know, I don't want to just do a regular intro. I want to do a song. So by the grace of God, we uploaded that song today at about five o'clock. It premiered. So you can go check that out after this solid talk is done, you know, but uh, that was the the little thing. We got a little theme song now. So praise God for that. Glory to God. Oh, uh, yeah. I made Sister Roxanne. Sister, I didn't tell you, Sister Roxanne. <laughs> I made you a moderator. Sometimes Sister Tarima can't make it. So. So you like you like you like He Man now. I don't know if y'all used to watch He Man. <laughs> he Man was a cartoon. He said, "I have the power." <laughs> Hopefully, Sister Ross said, "You don't let the power go to your head or nothing like that." <laughs> but I just figure, you know, you you by the grace of God, you're on here pretty often. So every now and then, we get somebody to kind of come in and wants to, you know, use profanity and things like that. So, so I just figured it it was uh, the right thing to do. God bless you, Cullen. Glory to God. Just kind of looking for comments. Thank you for that scripture. God bless you, Sister Santia. Get at me about that prize, Sister Santia, by the way. Um, she was one of the three. We had a three-way tie for trivia, and she was one. Um, here's a comment. Sister Roxanne says, that weight keep you from going forward in God. Once you confronted that transgression, God released you to his service. True righteousness has taken place in your life. To God be the glory, Brother Greg. Well, praise the Lord, sister. I really appreciate that. And I'm just I'm just grateful as well just for God moving in my in my life in that way. And just for the grace to be obedient to that, for the grace to be obedient to that. So I don't see too many comments. I'm going to continue on with the next two. Number four was I want to go higher. This was I want to go higher. <laughs> this was a sermon by a lady that went to my first church yet again. <clears throat> Once again, I was growing in my walk. At this time, I was dating another young lady, and this time she was a, a believer. So I said, I got to give me a Christian girl this time. So we're dating her. But looking back on it, her and I were both immature in the faith. And we were doing some of those physical things that I mentioned that uh, we're not supposed to, that, that looking back on it, we weren't supposed to be doing. I think we had even gotten to the place where, you know, it's like she was, she would spend the night at my house, but we wouldn't do anything. And I can't remember the exact timing, but, but we had actually ended up taking a trip to um, Jamaica. And, and, and in that trip, I, I had some drinks in my system and we actually did fall. That was the last person that I actually had actual intercourse with. And that was back in like 2014. So yeah, 2014. So that happened. And after that, you know, she would still be over, but I, I, I felt horrible immediately afterward. And, but we were, you know, that box had been open 
So we would still kind of hang around and do stuff. And it began to, to pull on me because I just knew that this is not right. This is not right. You know, we, we did it that one time or whatever, but, but it was just like, we were still spending the night and all, and I just felt bad about it. So eventually I scaled it back to the point where I was just like, okay, we just not doing anything. You know, we can spend time with each other. Um, you can stay over as long as we don't go all the way or do any, any third base type stuff, then I guess we're fine. So I went to this particular sermon and this lady, her name is Reverend Irby, one of my favorite preachers of all time. She just loves the Lord. Um, it's like she was made to preach very powerful sister in the Lord. Uh, just just a Baptist lady, right? And I'm non-denominational for anybody listening to this. But anyway, she was a preacher who dealt a lot in illustration. And one of the things that she did in this particular sermon was she was preaching the sermon and she was preaching hard. And then all of a sudden, she got some of the deacons to bring out a ladder. So she brings this ladder out in the sanctuary. Now, this lady has on a church robe and everything, but she's preaching hard as I don't know what. And she's just like talking about how she wants to go higher in Jesus. She wants to go higher in Jesus. So she took one step on the ladder and she was like, I want to go higher. And she preaching and preaching and preaching. She said, and she took another step. She said, I want to go higher. And then she took another step. I want to go higher. And now she going up in the thing and the deacons sitting there behind her trying to make sure she don't fall off the ladder. <laughs> Lord have mercy. They, they, you know, cause, cause it, a, it's the fact that she on the ladder. Okay, she's a lady. She on the ladder. She in the church robe. But then it's also like while she's on the ladder, she preaching hard as I don't know what. <laughs> so she took another step, and she said, "I wanna. I, I'm not gonna be sleeping. No, she was like, I'm not gonna be having my boo thing over my house, sleeping in the same bed, sleeping on the couch, even if we ain't doing nothing." And it's like, as soon as she said that, I knew that that was the Lord speaking to me in that moment. And and I had just made up in my mind in that moment. I was like, no more, <laughs> no more. Um, I'm just not rocking like that anymore. And I had just made up in my mind that, listen, I wanted to go higher. I wanted to go higher. And so I ended up telling that particular girl I was dating at the time, hey, you know, I want to go higher in Christ. So we ain't doing no type of sleeping over anything like that. Even if it is innocent, even if we ain't touching, even if we in two separate rooms, you just don't need to be, we just don't need to be in the same house. Like God don't want us to be doing that. And so I guess she had no choice but to accept it. But what I learned from that, and one of the reasons why that was life-changing for me was A, it took me to a higher level in Christ. But B, it revealed to me the power of preaching against sin. There is power in preaching against sin because sometimes we can know something, but it's almost like we have to hear it in order for it to really be brought to the forefront of our minds. And... <laughs> It's just like the same thing with Gary Price when he said uh, lust is not natural for a man. It's like when you hear something like that, it does something to you. And the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And how else will they hear unless they have a preacher? So when I heard that, 
it was like I couldn't ignore it anymore. People, we look, we live in 2021. There's a lot of churches that just like to kind of cool cat it and they just like to preach the love of God. And that's it. And listen, I love the love of God just like everybody else. But a part of the love of God is understanding that it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. It's understanding that God loves us so much that he will call us away from our sin, right? Because what? The wages of sin is death. So when God calls us from sin, he's calling you away from death and he's bringing you closer to him. And it really taught me that, listen, we have to preach against sin because sin should not be comfortable in the house of God. Sin should not be comfortable in the body of Christ. Now, listen, if this is, listen, we preach against sin. We don't preach against people. Okay. But if the sin happened to be in the people, (laughs) then sometimes the people can get upset because that's just how people are. That's just how flesh is. But the fact of the matter is in order to get that sin out of people, we got to preach that sin out of people. So the sin is going to leave. Now you can leave, you can let the sin leave by itself or you can leave with the sin. But, you know, by the grace of God, if I ever have a congregation, I'm preaching against sin and sin is going to leave out the door. Now, prayerfully, you let sin leave and you stay. <laughs> right. Um, sometimes people choose to go. They say, listen, it's like the um, the rich young ruler. What did he say? The Bible says that he walked away sadly. Sometimes when you bring something to people's attention, they're not going to receive it or they might they might understand it, but they might walk away. And that's their choice. But that moment was life changing because it taught me the power of conviction. It taught me the power of the preached word of God. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm about to uh, I am about to put the link for anyone who wants to come on and share a life changing moment in your walk with God. I'm about to do number five, but I'm putting the link in before now. (laughs) so that anyone who wants to join, you can click on that link that I just put in the comment section there. So here's number five. This one I've talked about before. This was when I first heard a preaching against once saved, always saved. Now, I know this is a little bit controversial. I ain't really trying to get too deep into it because listen, this is what are we really talking about when we have the once saved, always saved discussion? Really, what we're talking about is abuse. People who use, uh, what does the Bible say? They use it for licentiousness or lasciviousness, something like that. Basically meaning that people just sin as though they have a license to sin. And there are some people that believe that. They believe, I received Jesus as my Savior. I don't have to make any effort at all to live holy. I'm human. And I will just live my life and then I'm just going to ask God, ask Christ, ask God for forgiveness once I'm done. Okay. Now, the Bible says in Hebrews, I believe, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see God. So I've told this story before, but uh, as I mentioned several times in this talk, I went to a Baptist church when I was coming into the faith and they taught something that's called Calvinism which is the tulip doctrine. I forget everything that it stands for, but one of them is uh, eternal security. 
No, no, that don't make sense because that starts with an E. <laughs> Let me see. It's a, uh, oh man, total depravity, which I do agree with. Um, preservation of the saints, meaning that you can't lose your salvation. Um, T-U, I think U is unconditional security. Maybe that's what I was trying to say, unconditional security. I might be butchering this doctrine. But anyway, some of you have probably heard of this. Some somebody can google it for me and then tell me what it is but long story short in the baptist denomination they teach once saved always saved so i was on youtube one day because i just had this hunger and thirst for the lord so i'm always watching all sorts of different things and i came across this video that was i forget the exact title but it was something to the effect of once saved always saved is false so i clicked on it and it was this guy i think he might have been in a blue t-shirt it wasn't a a professional video or anything like this this was back in the good old days when youtube was literally youtube and he kind of had his music in the background it seemed a little bit scary and he was talking about how once saved always saved is not biblical and how his grandmother who was like a saint in the church said that this was really just a new thing that had only been taught in like the last 50 to 75 years and all, all of these different things that he was saying i don't know how much of it was true or not but the point is, when I heard that sermon, I was just, I watched it. I think I watched it late at night or something. <laughs> and I was just laying in bed and I was so scared. I might as well have just been in a fetal position because I was just like, man, Lord, is that true? Like, is that true? Um, Because I had been taught something different. And this guy, he was so zealous and so passionate about it. And he was bringing some scripture and stuff like that. And I was like, man, Lord, is that actually true and so i was just so fearful you know what i mean and from that moment on i was just studying the scripture and things like that and the reason why that was life-changing for me was because a it caused me to study more and really learn more about what the bible teaches right now where i am with that whole debate i like the way this one guy put it i think his channel is called aoc or something like that i forget what it stands for but it's a, a biblical channel and he, he, he said, I don't like to say that you lose your salvation because to, to use the phrase or to ask the question, can you lose your salvation seems to suggest that you like it, you were just living one day and then it just left you like you were trying to hold on to it. And then it's like like you lost it, like you were you were running this race and your keys fell out your pocket. And it's like, man, I lost it. Or it's like you kind of got to this one you know, like maybe you said 99 times and then on the hundredth time you sin, it's like, oh, I lost it. I don't think we really need to look at it that way. A better way of saying it is to say that you have forfeited, your, that I believe that one can forfeit their salvation. Meaning that if you make the decision that you want to turn your back on God, then you simply can because you have the freedom to do so. What I also believe, though, is that if anybody desires to be saved, then God is going to save you, regardless of how many I's you dot or how many T's you cross, how many things you get right, how many things you get wrong. It's really not about the right and the wrong. It's about your will and it's about your heart. And I believe that if anybody has a heart to serve God, to live for him and to 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 have intimacy with him, then you then he will save you. It's as simple as that. So it's not something that I worry about now. 
in this stage of my walk, you know, but back then it's like when you first get saved, you you still shaking off the flesh and it's like <laughs> you haven't died to as many things yet. So you kind of like, well, when it, am I going to cross? Am I going to cross that line, whatever that line is? Right. But the Bible says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. So once again, that particular moment teaching when I came across that video, it really brought to life the scripture that says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Right. Because it, it, it gave me like a healthy fear that empowered me to do a few things. One, to live for God, to, you know, to live for Jesus. And I was already living for Jesus, to be honest. But it, it just kind of allowed me to gain more of God's character and also to study more. And so I appreciate that. So those are my five. I got a couple of bonuses if nobody joins me tonight. But I'm going to put this link in here one last time. For anyone who wants to hop on and you can come on here, you can share a teaching that has blessed you. You can share a moment that has blessed you. Uh, you guys don't have to be shy, but you, you know, just click that link. You should be able to get on with your cell phone or on your laptop or whatever you're on. Glory to the Lamb of God. In the meantime, I'm going to take a few comments. And if y'all don't keep me company on here, I'm going to give you a couple of bonuses and then we'll take it from there. So glory to God in the highest. God bless you, expressions of faith with Judith. God bless you, Sister Judith. Praise the Lord. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. Here's a comment. King of Grace says, it's the conviction that is a catalyst to allow God to help a person conquer sins. Absolutely, sister. I like the way that this one lady put it, Sister Jackson. She said, you can't conquer what you don't confront. And the word of God will confront you. It will reveal your sin to you. Y'all have probably heard people say that the Bible is the only book that when you read it, it reads you. And that's what the word does. Some good preaching does that as well. And so when God brings it to, the, to our attention, we have to have the courage and the faith and the trust in God that we can confront the, these things. And once we confront it, God will be able to what? If you confess your sins, he is faithful to forgive. If we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Glory to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sister Roxanne says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. No one saved, always saved. If you still sinning, on purpose, intentionally sinning, please stop it. Absolutely, sister. And there's some scriptures that we can go through, but we done already taught on it on this channel several times. Here's uh, what I was looking for. Thank you, Sister Yvette, for um, pointing out to me what that tulip stands for. It's the doctrine of grace. Okay, so the T, total depravity, unconditional election. Man, I got that thing all wrong, didn't I? Limited atonement, irresistible grace preservation of the saints so basically this is what all of that means I'm, i mean and i'm not teaching this i'm just explaining what was taught in the baptist doctrine it was it was calvinism i'll say it that way it was that god has a certain amount of people that he wants to save he already knows who they are there's no way that you can resist it and once he chooses you you will be preserved forever 
Okay. So basically it's saying everybody cannot be saved. There's only certain people that are going to be saved. So thank you, Sister Yvette, for putting that in there. Thank you, Sister Patricia. That AOC channel I mentioned was Ambassador of Christ. Very popular channel. You guys have probably seen it. The AOC Network. Absolutely. And uh, I haven't watched everything from them, so I don't, I, I can't uh, say, you know, give the hundred percent endorsement, but I probably give about a seventy-five percent endorsement of saying, from what I've seen, they seem to be pretty solid. Hallelujah. Yeah. Be watchful. His feet says, Scripture and Revelation says names are blotted out. Absolutely. And I remember I read that one day, and I reached out to this young Baptist pastor. He's probably around my age. And I asked him about that that scripture because I read it one day. And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> I, I think this was probably before that video I was telling y'all about. I was like, what does that mean? So I asked him and he gave me some excuse or whatever. He probably hadn't even seen it before. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. He might have seen it before, but he probably didn't know, you know, just some some defense mechanism he came up with. Glory to God. Here's a question by Alex. I'm not sure if I'll be able to get to it tonight. How do we defend ourselves from the devil when our values are being attacked every day? How do we strike back and show mercy? Wow. Well, I think that's a great, uh, solid talk in and of itself. It almost reminds me of the us versus them discussion that we had on here last Saturday, where I talked about how the battle we have is spiritual, how there's a lot of darkness that's operating through people and it manifests itself in different agendas like political parties, uh, ideologies, uh, feminism, racism, excuse me, all of the isms, right? And so the Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. That's it. That's, that's, there's an order there. First, we have to be submitted to God. That's where we actually get the power to resist the devil. Then we resist the devil and then he will flee from us, right? But our values being attacked every day, that's very true. It reminds me of something they used to say in sports. There was a baseball player, I think his name was Manny Ramirez, and they used to have an expression that said, Manny being Manny. And I think they even had one for Kobe Bryant. It was called Kobe being Kobe. And what it basically meant was, that's who they are, that's what they do. And unfortunately, the world is the world. The world being world. It's going to spiral down. All we can do is allow ourselves to be used by God to spread the gospel, to reach who we can reach. The Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of them that spread the gospel? How beautiful are the feet of them that spread the gospel? But that's a great question, Alex. We might have to dive deeper into that later on down the line. I see a couple of people answered your question. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's see. This is an answer to that question. We are fighting a good fight of faith. Oh, this is Sister Tatiana. She says, our battles are spiritual, so we fight on our knees, warring in the spirit through prayer and wisdom by the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Beatus Feet says, I'm going through a pruning process. Even the pain and struggle, God is good. Even in the pain and struggle, God is good and his word is true. Lord have mercy. Yeah, that pruning is 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 it's a different type of season. But the good thing about it is that it's worth it in the long run. When you're being pruned, that means that you're going to bear more fruit for the kingdom. So glory to the Lamb of God for that. Yes, God has a purpose. Absolutely. Sister Patricia says, 
if you know the answer to this, can you explain the difference between the Calvinism beliefs versus predestination? Romans 8, 29 and 30. That's a whole teaching in and of itself, sister. But I will admit that if if I am going against, uh, let me say it this way, if I'm trying to defend Calvinism, that scripture about pre-election is one of the most telling as far as that's concerned. Now, I look at it like a, a GPS. Predestinate means that you have a predestination. So if God has placed a path for you in life, then we can go along that path. Now, as you veer and make a mistake on your GPS, your GPS always corrects you. Now, I think there was a comedian who um who explained this one time. I can't remember, I think his name was Michael or something, but your GPS corrects you when you make a mistake. That being said, you still have the free will to make up your mind and say, I'm not going there anymore. I want to go somewhere else. And so you can drive off the path of the GPS, your predestined, your predestined destination. You can drive off of that path and just and just say, I don't want to do it. And God can continuously be uh, calling you. Hey, turn left. Hey, turn right. Turn left. Go straight. Take this exit. And if you continue to ignore it, he'll continue to call you all throughout your life until you ignore it so much that you develop what the Bible calls in Romans 1, the reprobate mind. So, you know, there, there are there's so many teachings in the Bible there's another one that I think is in Romans where he said, Jacob, I loved Esau. I hate it. You know what I mean? He told Jeremiah, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. So that's the one. Jacob, I love Esau. I hate it. I think Paul was talking about what if the potter made some vessels that were just vessels of iniquity? <laughs> so there's a case to be made for both. But, you know, when I take the totality of the scripture, I just can't come away with once saved, always saved. Or I'll definitely say this. I can't come away with the mentality, the once saved, always saved mentality. Because like I said before, when we really have this discussion, what we're really talking about is abuse. The real question is not, can you lose your salvation? The real question is, do I have to make an effort to live holy? And some people say that making an effort to live holy is works. But the Bible says that faith without works is dead. I believe that when we have faith in God and we understand the love of God, it empowers us to desire to do works of righteousness. And so it's it's not a work that is based off of uh, rewards-based systems, but it's a work that's based off of our love of God. And you know, I think it says in Revelation, we will be judged according to our works. Um, I, we learned about here on Thursday how Jesus will tell some people, uh, why do you call me Lord, Lord? You don't know what I do. Depart from me, ye that do what? Work iniquity. So there are people that will cast out devils in the name of Jesus. They will um, preach in the name of Jesus. They will heal people in the name of Jesus. But Jesus is going to tell some people, depart from me. I never knew you. So once again, one of those things that has been debated for for years, decades, maybe centuries, it will continue to be debated. But as far as my walk is concerned, that was life changing for me. But to that question, Sister Patricia, I think that would be good to explore.
predestination, maybe like in a dedicated Bible study. Sister Brittany, oops, Sister Brittany has a perspective. She says, I believe God has chosen his elect even before the foundation of the world. The Bible does say that. It does say that. Absolutely. It also says, make your calling and election sure. <laughs> so it's like, even if we are elected, right? It says, make your calling and election sure. So yeah, you, we might've been elected, but we still have a responsibility to make it sure and to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. So the best advice I can give anybody is to not be anxious about anything. You know, just live for the Lord. Don't get too caught up in anxiety. You know, just 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 have a relationship with him. And if you have a relationship with him, the stronger your relationship, the less and less you'll be concerned about once saved, always saved. Because how can I be scared that Jesus is going to say, depart from me, I never knew you, if I talk to him every day? It's kind of like, well, Lord, you could have told me that last Thursday. <laughs> I died on Friday. You could have told me that yesterday. I've been talking to you every day, right? So if you have a relationship with him, we shouldn't find ourselves in that situation. Um, Sister Roxanne broke out to Hebrews 6. I ain't going, I ain't trying to work this tonight, but I'm going to read this one last one. She says, oh, she says, Hebrews 6, 4 through 6 speaks on the peril of not progressing in Christ. Verse 6, if they fall away, it is impossible to bring them back to repentance since Again, they nail the Son of God on the cross. Yeah, and I think another way, uh, the, another part of that, they say that we crucify, we trample over the blood of Jesus. You know, we crucify Him af afresh or something like that. Maybe that's another scripture. Yeah, I like that scripture. Philippians four six and seven. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and and petition, with thanksgiving present your request to God. Absolutely. I couldn't say it any better than the word says it right there. So listen, y'all must have, y'all, y'all, y'all scared, ain't it? Ain't nobody come on here. And she, I know God had to do something for somebody, but anyway, it's already nine. So I'm not going to force the issue. I'm going to give you these two bonuses and then we'll call it a day. Uh, one that kind of changed my, changed my life would be a strong statement for this one. I'll say it more like this is a sermon that I always remembered. Uh, Bishop Mitchell Way at Faith Assembly of Christ, he preached this sermon one time about get to versus got to. And to give you an example, recently I was taking care of my mom and her foot. And one of the things that kind of got me through that was my mentality. Did I have a get to mentality or a got to mentality? So the got to mentality is a mentality of obligation. I've got to go and take my mom to the doctor. I've got to pray. I've got to read my word. I got to get up at 730 in the morning. I got to go to work. I got to do all of these things. It's a total work-based thing. It's a total obligation-based thing, based mindset. But when you have a get-to mindset, notice how the perspective changes. Listen to this. I get to take my mom to the doctor. I get to nurse her foot. I get to pray to God. I get to read my Bible. I get to listen to praise and worship music. It transforms everything into an attitude of gratitude. It makes you realize how much of a privilege certain things really are. It's a privilege that I'm able to open up this Bible and read it. 
Now, God forbid, one day they might ban this Bible, or maybe I might live in a country where they don't have, I might not have access to this Bible. Now, the people over there, as far as the Bible is concerned, they have a 24-7 get-to mentality when it comes to reading this word. But some of us over here, we like, man, I got to get my word. I ain't been in my word in a few days. I got to get my word. It's like, man, let me read this Bible. You know, it's like, what is our mentality going to be when we approach the things of God and just life in general? It's a privilege for me to have the means and the time and the job situation and a vehicle and all of these different things that have been able to tend to my mother during that season. That was a privilege, even though it was agonizing. <laughs> Some of it in the beginning, it was agonizing. But I had to say, you know what? I get to um, tend to my mother because God forbid one day, unless she's like Methuselah, she, you know, she won't be here. Even if she was Methuselah and lived 900 some years, there would still come a day. So I want my mom to live as, as long as I'm here. I want us to be like the notebook where we both just lay beside each other and die at the same time. You know what I mean? But uh, the fact of the matter is while I have her, it's a privilege. And I, I, I had to do better with that because if we lose sight of that, then what do we have, right? You have regret, you have hurt, you have pain, you have remorse. You're thinking about all of the times, man, I had the opportunity to do that and I missed it. I had the opportunity to say, I love you and I missed it. So appreciate the moment right now when you get to do all of these wonderful things. Let's not look at it as an obligation. And I see Sister Tarima says, I was just thinking about the same thing the other day, get to versus got to. Absolutely, sister. Absolutely, sister. Glory to God. Glory to God in the highest. So then, and I'm going to leave you with this final one. Um, there was one from Brother Bolden that kind of really stood out to me, and I can't remember the exact sermon, but he talked about how he was preaching. He had been preaching the word of God and things like this. And one day the Lord told him, he said, continue preaching perfection. And that stood out to me because we have this phrase in the world that says nobody's perfect. Okay. Now I'm going to raise my hand before I even start this. I'm going to raise my hand and say, I'm nowhere near flawless. I can name you a whole bunch of stuff I done done. Probably, I probably done did some stuff today. Okay. Brother Bowden's probably done some stuff today. But the fact of the matter is that Jesus did say, be ye perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. So I believe our responsibility is to find out what that means. And some of it to a certain degree is semantics and nomenclature because perfect in the Bible means mature most of the time. But I think in that statement where Jesus said, be ye perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. He was speaking of, of a, of a higher, um, reaching that we have to run this race. And I take issue personally. It Well, let me not say I take issue. It doesn't really bother me when I hear people say it, but, but I personally don't, 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 I try not to use the phrase nobody's perfect. Cause I don't know. Somebody might be Enoch might've been perfect. I don't know. He walked with God, but I think a few things that we have to know is that the Bible uses that word at least 99 times. So I'm like, if the Bible talks about it that much, we have a responsibility to find out what is he talking about. And then the other thing is uh, 
we have to understand that in God's kingdom, we are not the sum of everything that we've done in our past. God is a God who functions in the present and to a certain degree in the future, but he doesn't really deal in the past. Old things are passed away. So he folk, he looks at us as we are today, and he also looks at us as what he is making us into, meaning that a lot of times people, meaning that perfection is a destination. It's not a sum of what you've already been through. So if I killed 75 people back in like, you know, 1998 or something like that, and then I get saved, that those killings that I did back in 1998, which I didn't do, let me just say that for the record, <laughs> those uh, have absolutely no bearing on how God perceives me. So Brother Bowden taught this in a later sermon. He expounded on it. And what he really spoke about is how perfection for us is not absolute, but is relative, meaning this. If I'm in the first grade and you give me an exam, my exam is going to say three plus three equals six, four plus six equals 10, uh, 10 plus 10 equals 20, 20 plus five equals 25. And that's my exam. And guess what? I got 100% on that exam, a perfect score on that exam. Now, do I know everything that a high schooler knows? No, I don't. So I don't have an absolute knowledge of everything. I don't have a perfect knowledge of everything. But with respect to what has been given to me in accordance to my level of where I am, I have fulfilled everything that has been asked of me. So in essence, perfection, as God sees it, is uh, doing or at least attempting to do everything that is being asked of you in this particular moment up until this point, right? And it's not even about the actions. It's really about the desire of your heart because uh, God gives us time to get it right. So even if you fail the exam, he still gives you a season to get it right. So I don't want to teach on that too much, but that's another perspective that just sort of shifted me a little bit to think a little bit more about what that really means. You know, perfection for a first grader is different for per, per, perfection for a college student, but it's really not even a matter of, as I said, doing at, like living a sinless life. I'm not talking about sinless perfection, but it's simply a matter of, do you have a heart that is perfectly postured toward God? That's how I believe that the Lord sees that when he uses that word, perfection. And I believe that if we have that heart, eventually our lifestyle will begin to manifest that heart because the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, you know, our lifestyle is going to be based upon the condition of our heart. So don't get too caught up in thinking like, I have to do everything right. That's not what I'm saying. But listening to him preach that really, really uh, did a lot for me in my perspective. Uh, Brother Bolden, I love Brother Bolden. I've not met him in person. Maybe well, I've not communicated with him either, but maybe one day I might have to go down there and visit his congregation. He almost has like a, it's like if you watch him, you kind of understand. He has a uh, almost urban legend type of vibe to him because <laughs> there's certain things that he said in his walk and certain things that he teaches. He's no nonsense. He's definitely in his 40s, 
but if you look at him and listening to him, listen to him, he almost sounds like he could be in his like late fifties or early sixties or something like that. And it's certain things that he said that have just really captivated me. Like one time he was explaining how he was waiting on a decision from God and he was praying to God about something. And one day he was just like, I'm just going to sit here and wait for the Lord to tell me the answers. So he sat on his couch for 12 hours straight. I'm talking no TV, no nothing. He just sat on the couch for 12 hours straight and he wasn't anxious. He wasn't like, um, you know, uh, he wasn't trying to trying to twist God's arm, but he just believed that if I avail myself to the Lord, then he's going to answer me. And after 12 hours, God gave him the exact answer that he needed. The exact answer that he was praying about, God gave it to him. And so when I hear stuff like that, <laughs> I be like, man, I love the Lord. I love you, God. But I don't know if I can just, and I think it might have been at night. I don't know if I can just sit here for 12 hours straight and just listen to you. So the brother, that's kind of like the way he lives and the way he teaches. He doesn't do a lot of hooping. He just kind of says stuff. It's very matter of fact. And it's funny because he look at the congregation, he'd be like, everybody understand. Everybody understand. It's like it's a bank robbery. <laughs> y'all ain't going to understand this joke because some of y'all haven't seen it. But it, it's like a bank robbery. Like he walked in, like, I need all the money. And I need everybody. I need y'all not to make a sound. Everybody understand. Everybody understand. Like he literally preaches that way. He'll preach something. Like everybody understand. And he looks around. Everybody understand. <laughs> so it's like little stuff like that. Sister Stephanie put me on to him. So that, that's my guy. There was another um, almost urban legend type thing, that he, story that he told one time. He said, <laughs> I'm almost done. He said, um, <laughs> he was in the mirror one day um, just doing something, like just getting ready for the day. And he was doing something with his hair, like brushing his hair a certain type of way or trying to get his hair. He, I don't even think he got hair now, but... He was trying to do something with his hair, like just paying a lot of attention to his hair. And he said the Lord told him something. I'm paraphrasing. I could be getting this wrong. But the Lord was like, put that brush down before I knock your teeth out your mouth. Something crazy like that. <laughs> I got to go back and find it. But I was just like, man, I was like, did he really say that to you? <laughs> but it it what it did was it um it just sort of told me a little bit about how the Lord chooses to use him because there's certain things about me. I know that might not fly. Now, of course, if the Lord told me that, I wouldn't have no choice but for it to fly. But I really just like seeing how the Lord kind of uses him, um, you know, and just sort of like the different approach that he has to things. So um, those type of things are just funny to me. You know what I mean? I'm like, man, Lord, some of that stuff you asked a brother Boulder to do, I'll, I just don't know if I'm there yet. <laughs> I just want to do my little live stream, make my little music, and, and let that be that. Um, but listen, God is just so good. God is just so wonderful. Lord, have mercy. I see your comment, Sister Beth. That's a good comment about the um, depart from me. You know, God is just so wonderful. Listen, family, I just wanted to share five and a few bonuses of different teachings and different sermons 
that really impacted my life, changed my life, impacted my walk with the Lord. Prayerfully, you've been blessed by this. Everybody was shy tonight. Nobody came on. So maybe if you want to come back in the comments, you can just comment and, and say anything, a scripture or sermon that might have changed your life or something like that. But um, I just wanted to once again kind of keep it light tonight. Yeah, I know I come on here sometimes and I be talking crazy, but that's all I have in this Solid Talk family. Prayerfully, you have been edified and that's all I have for tonight. You all take care and be blessed.